we are at the very last verses of four. And I'm going to ask two people to read because I would like to do an entire section because of the wording in it. I'm going to ask Lindy, since he hasn't been here for a while, would you please read uh, verses one to, I mean, sorry, 20, chapter four of Ephesians, verses 25 to 32. Therefore, lying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Okay, and Shayla, would you be willing to read? Okay, would you read, please? Verse 1 of chapter 5 through verse 14. Okay. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved, has loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for the sweet smelling sake. But fortification and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with his vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are the light in the Lord." walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, uh, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and hath no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of these things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That was a long, somewhat difficult passage to read. Thank you. I want to point out, and then I'll ask for general uh, observations and questions. I want to point out something to you. There's actually an injunction in here to be angry. Yeah, I read that. That's, that's, I, I looked it up. I have here an interlinear version. I know that's cheating, but they don't have a regular New Testament in Greek here in this room. I would have to go to my office to get one. And it is an imperative, which means it's a command. Mm -hmm. Be angry, but do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. But then, verse 31 says, Put away from you all wrangling and, I'm sorry, put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice. I'm sorry, and wrangling and slander together with all malice. 
what is this? Be angry, but put away all anger. And I looked it up in the Greek again. And um, bitterness is a different word, of course. But wrath is thumas. And anger is orge. And if you go up to do be angry, I'm going to have to look it up because I can't remember how to pronounce it. I cannot pronounce Greek. I guess is how you would have to say it in order to pronounce it. So it comes from the word orge. They have the same root. So in one place Paul commands us to be angry and then tells us to put away all anger. There's obviously different types of anger. It would seem like you would just settle for thumos then. Because thumos in Greek is also anger. But it's a different kind of anger than orge. And both of these were orge in both verses? Yes. The be angry and the... The put away, put away, it says put away thumos and orge. And the be angry is be orge. And what's the the thing, the... What is orge? Orge is, ang- is wrath or anger, yeah. Thumas is anger. It's a, there are different words, but thumas is more of a, just a, a very explosive kind of anger that's very you know, violent. Uh, orge is more of your settled anger. With, so he's using the same word to be angry and to put away all anger. That's what I'm wrestling with. And then let's go to... Uh, Chapter 5, let's make this even harder, (laughs) which is my favorite thing to do with problems. Let no one, verse 6, receive you with empty words, but because of these things, the wrath of God. That's 5, verse 6. It's orge again. So God can get orge. We are commanded to have orge, but we're told to put away all orge. Well, maybe the be angry is just stating a fact of that's one of the emotions we're going to have. Like, we're not created okay. without having this emotion. This is one of the emotions that that we experience. Mm-hmm. So we can't ignore that fact. I, you know, I'd have that to, we don't get angry. I've never studied the imperative in Greek, you know, to see how what kind of nuances it has. It's usually a command, but maybe it does have other nuances. I just don't know. But that's a thought. It just, it's a statement. Like, yeah, a statement. Be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do you think there's, I mean, a different kind of anger where you could be angry but not be, I don't know, you, it, it almost be like righteous indignation where you're, where you're, you feel empathy and somebody else is being mistreated, so you have that type, but, and that would maybe be the difference between, the one up in, you know, the top and then down at the bottom where it says, you know, let all bitterness, you know, well, you can be angry and bitter at the same time, right. or you can just be angry, um, don't know. Well, just before the command to be angry, it's saying to speak truth right. with your neighbors, so right. mm-hmm. I think it's tied in with that. Could be. There's one thing about it. it. Whatever Paul is saying here, he's not saying don't hold on to it. Right. That's where bitterness is. 
Yeah. Don't hold on to your anger past a day. In other words, you get angry in the morning, right. don't let the sun go down on your anger. So be cool it by evening. If a person is really angry, that's hard to do. So my sense of things is be angry is maybe your re natural response to the things, the horrible things that are going on. To be angry has that quality. The other way to, to suggest it, so it would be more like righteous indignation, but the other way to suggest is to tie it in with God being angry. When God gets angry, according to Paul in Romans, he, he gives people up and he lets them go. And if that's the kind of anger he's suggesting here, you know, give up on people who are engaged in all these bad things and, and be about truth and, and righteousness. <clears throat> Don't join them in what they're doing. It could mean that. But whatever it means, it's not an invitation to get really riled and uh, oppressive about your anger. And staying there. And staying there. Any other comments? I like verse 28 where it's, you know, not the first part where it says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may give to those that need. That's yeah. because you work with your hands a lot. Well, that's true. And there's a lot of needy people here, too. My, uh, you remind me of a story in my family. <clears throat> my great-grandfather was an infidel. Back in the days when there were infidel clubs. Infidel is the, the 19th century word for atheist. And he was an infidel, and I believe he belonged at one time to an infidel club. Some circumstances, I won't tell the whole story, but circumstances led his oldest son to come home from the military. And uh, he had become an Adventist while he was gone, and his mother was an Adventist. So he uh, decided he better conduct family worship. So he had family worship every evening. And he apparently was leading them through Bible readings for the home. It's a book that ask questions and then put, gives you text to look up and tells you the answer and so on. So he was saying, what does the Bible say about such and such? And then they would look up some verses and my great-grandfather stood in the doorway and w listened for a while. And finally he spoke up and he said, what does the Bible have to say about a man who does not take care of his family? He prided himself that he took care of his family, whereas he his, apparently his father, one of the reasons he left the Methodist Church as a young man is because his father was never there for the family and apparently did not do a good job of taking care of the family. He was always at the church. So he, when he said that, he, he had a lot of bitterness in his voice. And my great uncle looked up at him and said, very calmly quoting James, says, the Bible says that that man is worse than an infidel. <laughs> my great-grandfather just kind of rocked back. He didn't say anything at the moment, but later he found my great-grandmother, and he said, I didn't know that was in the Bible. She said, you don't know what's in the Bible because you never read it. He said, all right, get me a Bible and I'll read it. <laughs> so she bought him the nicest Bible. They were, they were well off. He, he worked as a banker and he had a farm 
and the farm prospered, and so did his banking job. And uh, so he, she got him a Bible, the nicest kind she could find, and he read it until he was converted. Mm-hmm. He expected it to be all hellfire because the Methodist Church in those days was very into hellfire and brimstone. But I, I think of that when I think of anything having to do with work and, and taking care of people and, and all of that. And, my great-grandfather's reaction to that verse being in the Bible is just classic. <laughs> so, right here on the Be Angry Yet Do Not Sin mm-hmm. verse, in this Bible there's a reference to um, Psalms 4-4, which says, tremble and do not sin. And on the side it says anger, you know, as, as another word for tremble. Or a, Huh. And then it says, med- I like what it says, meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. So is is he quoting the Septuagint there? And did the Septuagint translate that or gay? Because Paul does, trans- does uh, quote the Septuagint version. And the reason he does is because he would have had to translate the Hebrew and more than that, he's working for the Gentiles who all use the Septuagint Bible as their Bible. Uh, I'm looking to see if there's a Septuagint. But can I like how it just says, meditate in your heart upon your bed? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of talking about like not being, like think about. Not why, let the sun not down, let go it, down on and, your bed. And be on your still, ride. you know, this whole thing of let God kind of work through this with you as you offer the sacrifice of the And trust in God. Trust in God that he's going to take care of whatever the situation is that caused anger. That's interesting. Now I'm wanting to tie a whole bunch of texts together. Because patience is related in the Bible to trusting God. Job says, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. The word there is to wait. Uh, it can be translated hope. But translators have chosen trust. And I think that there's an inbred correlation between waiting, hoping, and trusting. So when it says in the third angel's message, here is the patience of the saints, it is suggesting a word that I think is the opposite of anger. I think patience is the opposite of anger. And patience, by the way, in the Hebrew is slow to anger. That's actually the term for patience. Slow to anger. Uh, And then God's self-manifestation of who he is, the kind of person he is, he is slow to anger. That's the only reference to anger in in the list of things that make up God's character. So God is not in character angry. Anger is something he does when forced to by people's choices. And that's when he gives them up and lets them go. Anyway, I tie those all together. Which ultimately goes back to trusting. Yes, patience and trusting. Well, of course, care of the situations, even the situations that are horrendous. Yeah. Like we have very right to be angry when yeah. a child gets right. hurt, you know. Right. Um, and you know, even Jesus said, tie a millstone around his neck you know I mean he says things that are pretty yeah strong um, but to trust that he's going to take care of that and yet you think of the people who have uh, worked through their trauma of losing a child to someone to forgive that person mm-hmm. 
you know, it's that's the letting it not go down, the sun right. not go down. Right. On because it's just going to, he knows it's going to kill us in the process. Yeah. 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 Um, the classic story to me is the story of the African American woman whose child was killed and possibly eaten by famous cannibal. No, his mind, his name is slipping my mind. He was in Minnesota, and he was on death row. Dahmer. Dahmer. Jeff Dahmer. Yeah. She wrote him a letter of forgiveness while he was in prison, and he became a Christian as a result of that letter. Well, we used to send missionaries to places where there are cannibals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the missionaries got eaten. So it always strikes me, you just never know. Jeffrey Dahmer never made it to, to be uh, executed. No. An inmate killed him yeah. with a broom handle. Well, it was because he did it to children. and they, most, most inmates hate crimes against children. Probably because most of them were abused as child, children. Anything else from uh, these two sections? I'm always amazed at how, I mean, we could stay on this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's just a few verses. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by that. I'm like, oh my word, this Bible is like so huge. <laughs> and like to think that there's so much in just like one verse, it's like, wow. So, what's so you... rich? Yeah. Really, when you think about it, yeah. as far as how much we can. Well, I was the whole time through, while it was being read, I was thinking of the events of this week. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I, I'm I let that fall because I don't know how far to press that. Yeah, there's a lot of anger right now. There's a lot of anger. Yep, on all sides. Yeah, and there's a lot of finger pointing and untruths and I mean, lying. And you could go right back to uh, verse 25 where it says, "Therefore, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another." Mm. Yeah, you know, no, there's no bi- there's no bipartisan. I mean, bi- there's no partisanship. Oh, a- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I mean, it goes back to the question: if you're going to sit talk about your neighbor, you know, you go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, who is your neighbor? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, isn't it interesting how you can go through and you can find a verse that perfectly defines mm-hmm. where you're at right now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this passage to me is where we're at. Yeah. I get thinking of Flucard's son. Yeah. But this only like works if everyone reads and does this. Well, you know, I you mean, know and, and if you don't You know, we really are imitating Germany to a great extent in terms of how Christianity is viewing Jesus. The Germans made Jesus out to be Aryan, and they made him out to be someone who was very macho, very macho, I should say, very masculine. Uh, They were trying to defeminize the church. And I've been hearing things along those lines in the media. And they, there was a tendency to make Jesus 
be all about power. And I've, I've come to the conclusion that you cannot speak truth to power and be heard. Mm-hmm. Because when you want power by its very nature, when power uh, becomes ascendancy, it becomes an ascendancy, we lose our capacity for truth. Which goes right back to what's going on right mm-hmm. now. Well, right? I, I, I'm, right? I'm totally thinking that. Right. And, and so... Um, what the Germans did was revive Jesus. I mean, revise Jesus to be someone he absolutely wasn't. Who they wanted him to be. He was a very political figure. He was very... Uh, and they were doing all this in Jesus' name. Uh, Alan Reinach, who often posts things, uh, posted some quotations this week. All about... Jesus being the center of the nation and all of that. And he said, who quoted, who, who made these statements? And he, he said who it was not, and I can't remember now who that was. Turns out, I guess it was Hitler. Hmm. Uh, even though Hitler was not pr- pr- really Christian, he was going to mm-hmm. use that as a political tool. I don't think Hitler was any religion. no. Because Other than himself. The first time I went to Germany, um, we were driving from one town to another. We were on a bus, a tour bus, and they pointed out the um, stands where the guards stood, where the line between East and West was, and all the the wires and stuff are gone, but you can see the guard posts. And the the bus driver, being German... The tour guide was not. She was from the States. But he told her and she told us that the very first people he put in the concentration camps weren't the Jews. It was the nuns because he felt that he had been so mistreated by the Catholic Church as a child. And it was like, really? I didn't know that. So. Yeah. It's interesting. The the way thing you know, and, th- and that's true. Who abuses us when we're young? And he was mistreated by the nuns probably in school, because the nuns were his teachers. No I think doubt. He was an orphan. Was he an orphan? No. Sure. Well, he has a, a very kind of murky background. His um, mother was mentally ill, as I recall, hmm. and he was not. Always in a stable home environment. I, right. I don't remember now. It's been years since I've read about his childhood. And he wasn't a German. He was an Austrian. Right. Actually, Hitler related very well with children. In the bunkers. Yeah, that's They were spooky. in the bunkers. Yeah. Uh, the children would run to meet him. Yeah, there's a guy in prison who murdered his wife and his three daughters. And the one daughter survived. He slit their throats. And... She happened to fall, so her head was down, so she didn't bleed out. And he's doing life in prison, and he's acting like grandpa to all the kids that come to see their parent, their fathers. And it's his daughter is just totally outraged over that. Yeah. You know, what can you do? You know, if we go back to verse 26... Well, where we're talking about 25, about the lying and mm-hmm. speaking truth to the neighbors, and follow right on into 
26, and it says, Be angry and sin not, but let the sun go down. You know, in our nation right now, there's no letting the sun go down on your anger. It's harboring and festering, which goes right into, you know, verse 27. Don't give place to the devil Mm. because they're harboring the anger. Mm. And uh, Yeah, mine says, Determined to get over any anger before nightfall or the devil will gain a foothold. There you go. Mm-hmm. He has a major foothold. Yes. <laughs> wow. And then when you go down to verse, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so that's why he talked. Go ahead, you go ahead. I was just going to say, and then after talking about all that, you know, harboring the anger and everything else, drop down to 32 and it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. So that does not give him a foothold. No. When we treat others as Jesus yeah. treats us and... and because that's See, that's from the character of, of good of Jesus. And that's exactly the opposite yeah. of power. Right. Power constructs. Anything else? I'm loath to go on to a new topic because this one is so fruitful. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just kind of thinking of the controversy between good and evil in, in all of this. Um, Live as children of light. Yeah, and and just the whole thing of sin or false and truth. I mean, that, that's where evil started, right? Yeah. It's, this is really core issues here. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucifer well, and, and giving this, falsehood ideas to yeah. the other angels. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Right. You know, we've there's a lot of empty words around. That's exactly. So what is our role in the middle of what we're living in? Number one, be kind to one another, mm-hmm. tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Try to be little lights in the darkness. Speak truth with your neighbor. Speak truth with our neighbor, yes. Uh, live as children of light. That means keeping our eyes on the light and on the Lord of the light. And not being discouraged. You know, and not that, being discouraged, yeah. Um, trusting in God that he's going to take care of things. Yes. Yes. And especially going to take care of us because the future is very uncertain. Because it says, do not be partakers with them. Yeah. And and, uh, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's not exposing people. That's exposing the fruits. For it is shameful even to mention what people do secretly. So I think the worst thing we could do is get mired down talking about what's gone on this week. Mm-hmm. Was that verse 11 that you were reading? Yes. What is Because my Bible says, um, and have no fellowship with this unfruitful works in darkness, but rather reprove them. What did you say? Because you're saying you're talking about the deeds, not them personally. Right, because even your version still has the fruits of darkness, not the people. People, the antecedent. Okay, okay. The antecedent is the works. Deeds. Expose the deeds, basically. Yeah. And it's interesting, but everything is exposed by the light, becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. And we are not light. God is light. Right. Although Jesus called us to be lights, the light of the world. True. But I think he was saying specifically the light and, and as in the truth about him. 
Well, we, we shouldn't miss, with verse 32, we shouldn't miss 5-1. God in, for, as God in Christ. So, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as God, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, to have that selfless love, that self-sacrificing love, that is so dead on right now. Five three mine says such things as free sex, lewd living, and greed have absolutely no place in a Christian's life. These things are totally unbecoming to people who are heading for heaven. But yet, I tend not to watch the news now except for the weather because I just don't want to see all the political stuff going on. But after Nancy Pelosi made a speech. Somebody asked her a question, told her that she was, I think they said that she was lying. And she, she just about came unglued. She said, I take great offense at that because I was raised a Catholic and I do not believe that that word should be in, in anyone's vocabulary. Not a part of it. And I'm just going, Wow. That's a short hair right there. Because she just... She almost got red in the face. She was so angry. Well, I'm watching this. Whichever way finally wins, the Republicans or the Democrats, either way, we're going to have the union of church and state. Either way. The Democrats are getting more and more toward religion and support of them. And the Republicans have long done that. So, either way, we're going to have the Union of Church and State very soon. And with it, the attending problems of immoral behaviors. It doesn't in, in my book, it doesn't matter who wins. <laughs> we're all going to lose. Yeah. We've already then lost. I think so. I think so. I, I was thinking you were going to read the next verse. Entirely out of place. It's obscene, silly, and vulgar talk. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Yeah, that fits right along with that one. What you should talk about is how grateful you are for what God and others have done for you. You need to tell Flucard to read this. I think it would really help her right now. Is there anything we missed? Maybe we've definitely covered it. I don't know, the, the verse 10 is just a one-liner, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Hmm. I just find that interesting about the, you know, he's addressing that it is challenging to do things that are selfless and to live in a selfless Especially way in, in a this, world that is extremely right. grasping and, and greedy. And that servant leadership type, mm-hmm. you know, and connecting with people in a way that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is... It's hard. It's trying to learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not our natural nature, for sure. No. We didn't look at verse 14 very strongly. Mm-hmm. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What, is that? what does that mean? Why does he use that? 
to follow everything that becomes visible as light. He's just been talking about the take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's shameful to mention, even mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleep or awake, rise from the dead. Is that a call maybe for people to realize that they're doing those things and that to they're in come the dark out? Yeah. And they're sound asleep in yes. the dark. They're dead, mm-hmm. as it were. And don't realize it. Yeah. So, that so it's time for a resurrection. Yeah. I really, I, I feel that fits what we're looking at because I have friends who have the same picture of God I have, who, who have seemed to me very loyal to God, who are running after politics in a way that is not helpful to them. And I feel like they just don't get it. They're asleep somehow, and I feel that a lot, a lot of us as Adventists are asleep. Maybe that's something we can add to our prayers. And I did forget to pray for the PUC administration, and I will do that when we close for prayer. The problem is we can't awake or arise. From, this is outside of our ability, either to awake or to arise from the dead. Um, that has to be an outside source to even become aware of our sleepiness. That's why I think we need our, to pray for because it. Because when we're dead, we, we can't be aware because you're dead. Mm-hmm. And so that whole idea of like the aha moment or, you know, just mm-hmm. awareness, it has to come from yeah. outside. Like the Holy Spirit has to do that in our lives. Would that be why the, the why the text says, you know, wake thou that sleepest, you know, first, and then yeah. arise from the dead, that when you awake, that you realize at that point that you have issues, that maybe you're dead in that physical or that spiritual sense, and uh, Christ shall give thee light. Well, maybe we should read verses 15 to 20. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is, or will or the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing hymns, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord your God, I'm sorry, the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to, to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when the darkness threatens around me, I do sing. And it's amazing what happens. My dog would howl if I sang. <laughs> She's just singing with you. And the cats would screech. <laughs> <clears throat> And she's a howler. She would do good. <laughs> well, you can always say the words. Yeah. Yes. Um, I like 22 because it says giving thanks. Well, if you don't stop and be thankful for what you have, you don't realize how blessed you actually are. Right. Well, I also like how that whole area kind of talks about be careful how you walk, make the most of your time, be wise, don't drink. Be filled with the Spirit. All of that 
those are like moral living type things, and it's it's not said in a way like you're not supposed to do this because of, like like in a, a legalistic way. Mm-hmm. It's said more like please make good decisions so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the spirit can fill you, and I mean things will be like just do this. This is easier. Like. Mm-hmm. And don't get so caught up in the yeah. all the other just the with all the busy things. Yes. Yeah. That's to me the biggest challenge is finding time and making good use of my time. Right. Well, we have two minutes. Why don't we close with prayer? Dear God, we have read some very challenging verses and such timely verses we pray that you will wake us up that we will rise from the dead and that you will let the light of Christ shine on us we pray this for ourselves we pray this for our church family we pray this for the entire denomination I pray that uh, you will be with the college administration and, and the school. That you will bring positive answers and that you will bring wisdom and understanding and courage and strength, whatever is needed for the present situation. And we thank you. Be with us and protect us and guide us through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.